Section two of Our Lady of the Pillar by S. G. translated by Edgar Prestige. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Two. The old attendant, whose eyes were more wide open and harder than those of an owl, hastened to tell the Lord of Lara how a bold youth of comely appearance, a new tenant in the old house of the archdeacon, continually crossed and recrossed the square and posted himself in front of the church to throw his heart through his eyes at dona leonor very bitterly did the jealous nobleman know it already for when falcon-like he watched from his window the graceful lady on her way to church he had observed the pauses and darted looks of that gallant youth and had pulled his beard with rage ever since then in truth his most intense occupation had been to hate Don Rui, the canon's impudent nephew, who had dared to raise his slow desires to the great lady of Lada. He now had him continually spied upon by a retainer, and knew wherever he went and stayed, the friends with whom he hunted or amused himself, and even the men who cut his doublets and furbished his sword. In fact, every hour of his life and he watched dona leonor more closely still her every movement her most fugitive moods her silences her conversations with her attendants her distractions over her embroidery her habit of musing under the trees in the garden her demeanour and colour when she returned from church but dona leonor showed such unaltered serenity in the tranquillity of her heart that not even the most fault-fancying jealousy could discover a blemish in her snow-white purity. Thereupon, Don Alonso's rancor was turned with redoubled asperity against the canon's nephew, for having coveted her purity, her bright sun-colored hair, and her royal heron's neck, which were his alone in the rich delight of his life. And when he paced the somber gallery of his mansion, resonant with its vaulted roof wrapped in his fur-trimmed jerking the point of his grizzled beard thrust out in front his thick tangled hair bristling backwards and his fists clenched he was always ruminating the same goal he has attempted her virtue he has attacked my honour he is guilty on two counts and deserves a double death but something like terror was mixed with his rage when he learned that Don Rui no longer awaited Dona Leonor in the square, nor amorously watched the walls of his great house, nor entered the church when she was praying there on Sundays, and that he kept himself so entirely foreign to her that, one morning, when he was standing close to the arcade, and must distinctly have heard the door through which she was about to appear creak and open, he had remained with his back turned, without moving, laughing with a stout knight who was reading to him from a parchment. Such well-affected indifference could only serve for sure, thought Don Alonso, to hide some very evil purpose. What was the clever deceiver plotting now? Everything in the ill-tempered Fidalgo became intensified. Jealousy, rancor, vigilance regret for his hoary and ugly old age. In the calm of Dona Leonor, 
he suspected art and stratagem, and straightway forbade her visits to Our Lady of the Pillar. On the accustomed mornings he ran to the church to say the rosary and carry the excuses of Dona Leonor. "'Who cannot come?' he murmured, bowed before the altar. "'For the reason you know, most pure virgin.' carefully visited and strengthened the black bolts of every gate of his mansion, and at night loosed two mastiffs in the shadows of the walled garden. At the head of his great bed, next to the table which carried his lamp, reliquary, and a cup of wine hot with cinnamon and cloves to invigorate his forces, there always shone a long, naked sword. But with all these precautions he scarcely slept, and at every moment raised himself up in alarm from between the deep pillows, and clawed Dona Leonor with rough and eager hands that bruised her neck to hiss very low in his torment. Say you love me only. Afterwards, when dawn came, he perched himself up to watch, like a falcon, the windows of Don Hui. He never caught sight of him now, either at the church door at the hour of mass, or returning on horseback from the country at the ringing of the Angelus, and perceiving that he had disappeared from his customary haunts and turns, he suspected his presence all the more in Dona Leonor's heart. At length, one night, after he had trodden the gallery flags for a long while, secretly revolving suspicion and hatred, he cried out for his steward, and ordered packs and saddle animals to be got ready, he would leave early at daybreak with Dona Leonor for his property at Cabril, two leagues distant from Segovia. The departure did not take place at dawn, like the flight of a miser who goes to hide his treasure far away, but was carried out with solemnity and at leisure. The litter stood waiting long hours before the arcade, with its curtains open, whilst a stable-boy led the Fidalgo's white chimio with her Moorish caparisons up and down the square and on the garden side, under the sun and the flies, a troop of he-mules laden with trunks fastened with iron rings kept the narrow street in wonder with the jingling of their bells. In this way, Don Hui learned of the journey of the Lord of Lada, and thus the whole city learned it too. It was a great satisfaction to Dona Leonor, who was fond of Cabril, with its rich orchards and gardens, on to which the balconied windows of her light apartments opened without a grating. There, at least, she had ample air, full sunlight, boxes of flowers to water, an aviary, and such long walks of laurel anew that they were almost liberty. And she hoped that afterwards the country would lighten those cares that had lately made her lord and husband so wrinkled and taciturn. But this hope was not realized, for at the end of a week the face of Don Alonso had not yet lost its cloud, and it was evident that neither fresh greenery, murmurs of running waters, nor scents scattered in the flowering rosaries could calm so bitter and deep an agitation. As in Segovia, he restlessly paced up and down the resounding and vaulted gallery, buried in his sheepskin coat, with the point of his beard thrust out in front, and his thick, tangled hair bristling backwards. And he had a habit of showing his teeth in a quiet snarl, as if he were meditating evil deeds and savoring their bitterness in advance. 
and the whole interest of his life had become concentrated on a retainer who was constantly galloping between segovia and cabril and he sometimes awaited him at the commencement of the village near the large cross and stayed listening to the man who dismounted out of breath and straightway gave him his hurried news one night when dona leonor was telling her beads in her room with her attendants by the light of a waxen torch the lord of lara entered very slowly bearing in his hand a sheet of parchment and a pen dipped in his bone inkstand with a rough sign he dismissed the attendants who feared him as though he were a wolf and pushing a footstool near the table he turned his face towards dona leonor which he had composed into a calm and pleasant expression as if he were only coming to ask for something natural and easily done and said lady i want you to write me here a letter that is very necessary to write she was so accustomed to submission that without more reflection or curiosity and only going to hang the beads which she had been telling at the head of the bed she arranged herself on the footstool and with much application in order that the writing might be neat and clear her elegant fingers traced the first short line which the lord of lara dictated and it was my knight but when he dictated the next and longer one in a cutting manner dona leonor threw down the pen as if it burned her and recoiling from the table cried out in her affliction why must i write such things and so false in a burst of fury the lord of lara tore a dagger from his girdle and shook it close to her face with a dull roar either you write what i order you and what is needful for me or by god i will pierce your heart whiter than the waxen torch that lighted them her flesh creeping at that glittering blade in a supreme fear that accepted everything dona leonor murmured by the virgin mary do not harm me do not be angry for i live to obey and serve you now order and i will write then clenching his fists on the end of the table where he had placed the dagger the lord of lara crushed the fragile unhappy woman under his hard wounding gaze and dictated nay flung at her hoarsely piece by piece dragged out a letter that when finished and traced in a very hesitating and trembling hand read my knight you have very ill understood or very ill repay my love for you which i could never discover to you openly in segovia now i am here at cabril burning to see you and if your desire corresponds to mine you can very easily realize it because my husband is absent at another property of his and this of cabril is quite easy and open come to-night enter by the garden door beside the lane pass the fish-pond until you reach the terrace there you will espy a ladder resting against one of the windows of the house which is the window of my room where you will be very sweetly welcomed by her who anxiously awaits you now lady sign your name below for that is necessary above all as red as if she were being stripped before a crowd, Dona Leonor slowly traced her name, and now ordered her husband more quietly through his clenched teeth, address it to Don Rui de Cardenas. 
she dared to raise her eyes, surprised at that unknown name. Go on to Don Rui de Cardenas, shouted the churlish man, and she directed her immodest letter to Don Rui de Cardenas. Don Alonso put the parchment in his girdle next to the dagger which he had sheathed, and went out in silence, his beard pointing forward, hushing the noise of his steps on the flags of the corridor. She remained on the footstool in a state of immeasurable fright, her wearied hands fallen in her lap, and her gaze lost in the darkness of the still night. Death appeared to her less dark than this dark adventure in which she felt herself involved and borne along. Who was this Don Rui de Cardenas, of whom she had never heard, who had never passed across her quiet life, peopled by so few memories and men? And he certainly knew her, had met her, and had followed her, at least with his eyes, since it was a natural and consequent thing that he should receive from her a letter of such passion and promises. Thus did a man, a young man, evidently well-born, perhaps handsome, penetrate rudely into her destiny, brought there by the hand of her husband. So intimately, even, had this man become a part of her life without preparation on her side, that her garden-gate was already open for him at night, and the ladder propped against her window at night for him to mount. And it was her husband who, with the greatest secrecy, set wide the door and raised the ladder. Why? Then, in a flash, Dona Leonor understood the truth, the shameful truth, and it drew from her an anguished and half-stifled cry. It was an ambush. The lord of Lara was attracting this Don Rui to Cabriu with a splendid promise to get him in his power, and certainly to kill him, defenseless and alone. And herself, her love, her body, were the shining promises set before the beguiled eyes of this luckless youth. So her husband was using her beauty and her bed as a golden net into which that rash prize was to fall. What greater wrong could there be? And what imprudence, too! Don Rui de Cardenas might very well distrust and not accept such an openly amorous invitation, and afterwards, in laughing triumph, show all over Segovia that letter in which the wife of Alonso de Lara offered him her bed and body. But no, the poor fellow would hasten to Cabriu and die, die miserably, in the black silence of the night, without either priest or sacraments, his soul sunk in the sin of love. Die without doubt, for the Lord of Lara would never permit the man who had received such a letter to live. So that youth would die for love of her, for a love that, while it had never brought him a single pleasure, now brought him death. Clearly, for love of her, since such hatred as that of the Lord of Lara, a hatred that sated itself with such disloyalty and villainy, could only spring from jealousy which obscured in his mind all the duties of a knight and a Christian. He must have surprised glances, movements, and designs of this Don Rui, who had not been sufficiently on the alert, because he was very much in love. But how? When? D. 
dimly she remembered the youth who had crossed her one sunday in the square and awaited her at the church porch with a bundle of carnations in his hands was it he he had a noble bearing he was very pale with big black passionate eyes she had passed by indifferent the carnations he carried were red and yellow to whom was he taking them ah if she could warn him very soon at daybreak but how if there was no retainer or manservant in cabril in whom she could confide but to allow a brutal sword traitorously to pierce that heart which was full of her beating for her all in hopes of her oh the mad and ardent rush of don rui from segovia to cabril with the promise of the enchanting garden open to him the latter placed against the window under the silence and protection of the night would the lord of lara really order a ladder to be set against the window yes for a certainty in order the more easily to kill him the poor sweet innocent youth as he was mounting ill secure on an uncertain step his hands employed and his sword sleeping in the scabbard and so in the coming night facing her bed her window would be open and a ladder would be raised against her window waiting for a man ambushed in the shade of the room her husband would certainly kill that man but supposing the lord of lara were to wait for this don rui de cardenas outside the walls of the quinta and assail him brutally in some by-path and either because he was less dexterous or strong in a clash of arms were himself to be pierced through and fall without the other knowing whom he had killed and she there in her room unknowing and all the gates open and the ladder raised and that man appearing at the window in the soft shade of the warm night while the husband who ought to defend her lay dead in an obscure path what would she do virgin mother surely she would hotly repel the bold youth but his surprise and anger at his baffled desire i have come at your call lady and he would carry there on his heart her letter with her name which her hand had traced how could she tell him of the ambush and the deceit it was such a long tale to tell in the silence and solitude of the night whilst his moist black eyes were beseeching and piercing her miserable she if the lord of lara were to die and leave her solitary and defenceless in that great open house but how miserable also if that youth who was summoned by her and who loved her and who was hurrying to her dazzled by his love were to meet with death in the place of his hope which was the place of his sin and dying in the midst of sin were to roll down whither all hope is at an end only twenty-five years old too if he was the man she remembered pallid and so good-looking with a jerking of purple velvet and a bunch of carnations in his hand at the church door in segovia two tears fell from the tired eyes of dona leonor and bending her knees and lifting her whole soul to the heavens where the moon was beginning to rise she murmured in her boundless grief and faith o oh, holy virgin of the pillar lady mine watch over us both watch over us all don rui was entering the fresh patio of his house in the hot hour when a young peasant got up from a stone seat in the shade and taking from his scrip a letter handed it to him murmuring 
haste and read it, sir, for I have to return to Cabril to the person who sent me. Don Rui opened the parchment, and, dazzled by what he saw, beat it against his breast as though to bury it in his heart. The young peasant anxiously insisted, Make haste, sir, make haste! You need not reply, only give me a sign that you have received the message. Don Rui, very pallid, pulled off one of his gloves embroidered with twisted silk, and the youth rolled it up and hid it in his scrip, and was already making off on the point of his sandals, when Don Rui detained him with a sign. Listen, what road are you taking to Cabriu? The shortest and loneliest for bold men, which leads past Gallows Hill. Good. Don Rui climbed the stone stairs, and once in his apartment, without even removing his hat, again read by the lattice window that blessed parchment, in which Dona Leonor summoned him, at night, to her room, and the entire possession of her being. And he was not astonished by his offer, after so constant and steady an indifference on her part. Rather, he at once saw in it a love which was very astute, because very strong, a love that, with great patience, hides itself in the face of obstacles and perils, and silently prepares its hour of satisfaction, all the better and more delicious, because so prepared. She had always loved him, then, since the blessed morning when their eyes had crossed in Our Lady's porch, and whilst he was circling those garden walls, and complaining of her coldness, which seemed to him colder than the cold walls themselves, she had already given him her soul, and, full of constancy, with loving sagacity, suppressing the least sigh, lulling suspicion to sleep, she was preparing the radiant night in which she would also give him her body. Such firmness and such shrewd understanding in the affairs of love made her, in his eyes, all the more beautiful and the more to be desired. How impatiently he looked then at the sun, that lingered so that afternoon in its descent towards the mountains. In his room, with the lattice blinds drawn, to concentrate his happiness the better, without resting, he lovingly made ready everything for his triumphal journey. Fine clothing, dainty laces, a jerkin of black velvet and perfumed essences. Twice he went down to the stable, to make certain that his horse was well shod and well groomed, and he bent and rebent on the floor the sword blade he was to wear at his girdle to test it. But his chief care was the road to Cabriu, though he knew it well, and the village clustering round the Franciscan monastery, and the old Roman bridge with its calvary, and the deep lane that led to the heritage of the Lord of Lara. In that very winter he had passed by there as he was going out to hunt on the mountains with two friends from Astorga, and had caught sight of the Tower of the Ladas, and thought, There is the tower of my ungrateful one. How he had deceived himself! The nights were now moonlight, and he would leave Segovia quietly by the gate of St. Moro's. A short gallop, and he would be at Gallows Hill. He knew it well also, that place of sadness and terror, with its four stone pillars where criminals were hanged, and where their bodies remained, swayed to and fro by the winds, and parched by the sun, until the cords grew rotten, and the skeletons fell down, white, and cleaned of their flesh by the raven's beaks. Behind the hill lay the lady's lagoon. 
the last time he had been by there was on the day of the apostle st matthias when the corregedor and the confraternities of charity and peace went in procession to give holy burial to the skeletons which had fallen on the black earth picked of their flesh by the birds from there the road ran smooth and straight to cabril thus did don Rui meditate his venturesome journey whilst the afternoon was waning but when it grew dark and the bats began to circle about the church towers and the niches of the holy souls were lighted up in the corners of the square the brave youth felt a strange fear the fear of that happiness which was drawing near to him and which seemed to him supernatural was it true then that this woman famous throughout castile for her divine beauty and more inaccessible than a constellation would in a short space be his all his in the silence and security of an alcove when these devotional lights before the pictures of the holy souls had not yet been extinguished and what had he done to enjoy so great a good he had trod the flags of a square he had waited in the porch of a church and sought with his eyes two other eyes which either through indifference or want of attention remained lowered then without grief he had abandoned his hope and lo suddenly those absent eyes seek him and those closed arms open to him wide and bare and with her body and soul that woman cries out to him o oh, foolish man that you did not understand me come she who discouraged you now belongs to you was there ever such fortune as this so great so rare was it that unless human experience errs ill fortune must already be in pursuit it was so of a truth already since how great an ill fortune lay in the knowledge that after such good fortune when early in the morning he left her divine embrace and retired to segovia his leonor the supreme good of his life and so unexpectedly acquired for a moment would straightway fall again under the power of another master what did it matter let troubles and jealousies come afterwards that night was magnificently his the whole world an empty vision and the one reality that dimly lighted room at cabril where she would await him with unbound hair eagerly he descended the stairs and threw himself on his horse then for prudence sake he crossed the square very slowly with his sombrero worn clear of his face as though he were making an ordinary promenade in search of the freshness of night outside the walls no meeting disturbed him until he got to the gate of st maurice there a beggar who was squatted in the darkness of an arch monotonously playing his sanfona begged with a whine the virgin and all the saints to have that gentle night in their sweet and holy guard don Rui had stopped to throw him an alms when he remembered that he had not been that evening to the church at the hour of vespers to pray and beg a blessing of his divine godmother he immediately leapt down from his horse for just close to the old arch a lamp flickered lighting a picture it was an image of the virgin with her breast transfixed by seven swords don Rui knelt rested his hat on the flags and with raised hand said a salve regina with passionate ardor 
the yellow reflection of the light enveloped the face of Our Lady, who, either not feeling the pain of the seven points, or, as if they only gave her ineffable joys, smiled with bright red lips. Whilst he was praying, the small bell in the convent of St. Dominic, on one side, began to sound the agony. In the black shadow of the arch the sanfona ceased, and the beggar murmured, There lies a friar dying. Don Rui said an Ave Maria for the friar who was dying. The Virgin of the Seven Swords smiled sweetly. The passing bell, then, was not a bad omen. Don Rui mounted his horse gaily and set off. Beyond the gate of St. Morris, after passing some potter's hovels, the road followed a narrow, black course between lofty aloes. Behind the low hills, at the bottom of the dark plain, rose the first reflection, yellow and languid, of the full moon, which was still hidden. Don Rui rode slowly, fearing to reach Cabriu very early, before the maid-servants and the men had finished their evening work and the rosary. Why had not Dona Leonor appointed him an hour in her clear and deliberate letter? Then his imagination ran on ahead, broke into the garden at Cabriu, and flew up the promised ladder, and he too let himself go after it, in an eager race that tore up the stones of the ill-laid road. Then he drew in his panting horse. It was early, it was early, and he resumed his weary pace, feeling his heart beat against his breast like an imprisoned bird against the bars. End of section 2